0: Yay, Jesus. It's so fun to just be with a bunch of people who love Jesus. (laughs) I love what Daniel said. He's like, you know, there's a women's Bible group uh, on here, and they just get drunk. But even if you want to, you can still come. Like, if you want more, you can come. Like, it reminds me of Bill Johnson. He's like, he was just describing this time when he was super hungry, and they would, like, call, like, you know, if you're pregnant, come up to the front. And Bill John's just like, I just want prayer. You just, like, go down there. That's like Daniel. He's like, you know, even if you're not a woman, just come. You know, you want more. You qualify. Just whatever it looks like. It doesn't matter. Just come. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I feel like such a, a, a wet noodle right now. Just like. <laughs> um, so let's pray. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Help. <laughs> help (laughs) make us worse (laughs) Uh, some of you think I'm praying for help so that I can speak but I'm just praying for more (laughs) oh Jesus we just love you God we love the fact that you you gave everything for us to be one, to be in relationship. Now, Father, there's nothing that you're holding back from us today. And so, Jesus, I just pray that every dividing wall, everything that, that that's comfortable, that keeps us um, from experiencing more, God, I just thank you that we would experience a greater reality than ever before. Jesus, we want more. We want more of you. We want to know you. We want to know you. We love you. We love your face. We love your presence. We love everything you are, God. Yes. <laughs> uh, I remember about eight or nine months going to um, a bar just to just to hang out and we, di- we didn't drink or anything but it was just so funny because people were just like, you know, drinking or whatnot. It, I mean, and it was just, the things they were doing, you're like, oh my gosh, this is just so terrible. And <laughs> it was like, over the top, and and I found myself, I'm like, I'm almost kind of like judging them, you know, (laughs) and I realize, you know, (laughs) we only judge the other people when we're not drunk and we're not full of the Spirit, you know, you know, it says like, it says that, you know, Paul is like, these people, you know, why are you, why are you judging, why are you, why is there jealousy among you? Why is all this stuff happening? And, like, are you not just happy, acting like mere humans? And it's just crazy to me that our, we're called to be something more than just humans. <laughs> like, we're called to release his presence everywhere we go and stay saturated with him. <laughs> so, with that being said, have, have another drink. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I think that I think that oh, Jesus, I don't know what I think. Um <laughs> I just can't. (laughs) Help, Jesus! (laughs) I'm okay with me being drunk, but I want everyone else to be, so I don't just, y'all don't get anything out of this, because I want us to all get something out of this. Um, Um... what I, what i what i really was on my heart <laughs> jesus we just thank you for more of your joy <laughs> just put your hand on your neighbor next to you and just say father they need more they need more <laughs> god thank you God, thank you God, thank you Wow ah. <laughs> what i what i really want to share on and and we'll see where we get <laughs> but you know jesus actually came to change our inward world he came to change the inside of us and so often we want to change the outward and so how this all played out was in the garden it was adam and eve and adam and eve were walking hand in hand with god in relationship in communion and fellowship and in intimacy and in oneness and and in that relationship they had everything they needed <laughs> because they were god was their father God directed them, God guided them, God showed them the way. You know, a lot of people say from the, from the beginning that, that men had sin consciousness, but I love what Chris Valatin said, he says, how could man have sin consciousness if God says that man was good? Because sin's not good, so they didn't have sin conscious mindset. But they did have free will. And so here's this tree, and the serpent comes to them, and he, and he, he deceives them to t- partake in something that they already had, which was, if you eat of this tree, surely you'll be like God. But they were already made in this image, yeah? And so he convinces them to do something to get their identity. And so often we find ourselves in the same trap as we're trying to earn our identity that he's freely given us that we can't earn. And so instantly they eat of the fruit, and it says their eyes were open. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, now many of us might be like, well, and, and I have this thought process It's like, well, wouldn't they need to know what was good and bad? Wouldn't they need to have knowledge of what was good and bad so that they could actually know how to walk and not do what's bad? But I would like to say they actually didn't need to have a knowledge of what was good and bad because they had a father. So they had a relationship. relationship. So, so all of a sudden their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. In that moment, man was able to judge in their own mind what they thought was good and what they thought was evil. And and the problem with that is this, is that that we can actually only judge according to the flesh. Because it says in, in Corinthians, who can know the heart of a man but the Spirit of God? And who can know the heart of God but the Spirit of God? So if it takes God to know what's inside of here, how are we going to, if, 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 like I said, it's from the inside out, what's inside of us is going to manifest on the outside of us. And so if we don't know what goes on in the inside, and we don't know how to correct what goes on in the inside, and we can only see the flesh and judge according to the flesh, then how are we ever supposed to change as humans? And so what so often we do is is actually in that moment, man became judge of what was good and what was evil. And so therefore, because man had this knowledge of good and evil, they could judge according to the flesh. They thought, I actually don't need God, because now I can be my own judge and know what's okay and what's good for me. And so, you know, how many of you guys have kids? How many of you, I think I've shared this, if you gave them a whole bag of gummy worms? Gummy worms might be good, yeah? They might taste good, but for a two-year-old, a whole bag of gummy worms without any restraint is going to end up in a bad place, yeah? And they might start happy after one or two, but after a whole bag, they're going to be sick. Because the two-year-old needs a father to direct them on how to actually walk out in life. And and what happened in the garden was, all of a sudden, relationship went to, okay, I am actually going to start judging myself, and I am going to, because remember, it has to be the Father who guides us, but when we became judge, all of a sudden we thought we knew what was best for us. So we became our own Father. If He's the potter and we're the clay, and then we're like, oh, all of a sudden I think I can mold myself into who Jesus would like me to be, well, how many of you guys know (laughs) we don't know what's in our heart? Because we can only see the flesh. It says, now therefore, judge no one according to the flesh anymore. But rather, according to the Spirit. How are you going to judge someone according to the Spirit unless you have the Spirit of God? And how are you going to have the Spirit of God unless God's your Father? Because it says that it's the Holy Spirit that makes God's fatherhood real to you. So all of a sudden, man gave up this relationship with God... And they became their own judge and then they started to judge their flesh and they thought if we can do more things in the flesh, maybe eventually we can produce holiness within. So we'll go through all these rituals and routines in which we kill the ox, we'll we'll get circumcised, and all of these things were set up actually according to the law, which God gave us the law. But what I would like to say is everything was a shadow of what was to come. See I, uh, I was preparing for this message and I feel like I got so many more questions than I got answers. So so let me just say I don't have all of this worked out so if something sounds off like I'm not saying this is the 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 you know solid biblical theology but I want to provoke us to think, okay? So can we think so, God's original intention was the garden, yeah? And in the garden, it was, it was perfect because it was God's plan. then we kind of messed it up. There was no death. We ate, and there was death. There was sin. There was all of this stuff that God never intended. So we have to understand with this, God God had see God doesn't change but God actually is so beautiful in the way that he interacts with us and what I mean by that is is you know there's tons of denominations yeah in, in our in the body of Christ okay let's just say we have a denomination and they don't see healing, because I'm sure, you know, they don't believe in healing, so they typically don't see healing, just typically. I'm just, I, I, I was in that, I was in that stream, and I heard of God doing miracles in Africa. I never saw any in, in me, any, any personally in my life, in that influence, because no one believed that God was a healer, but God, is God still a healer? Yes. Wait, God's a healer? Okay, so God's a healer, but yet, and God's still moving in this body of Christ, but yet they're not seeing healing. Why aren't they seeing healing? Is it because God's changed? Is he not really the healer? No, then why don't they experience healing? Because they don't believe in healing. Okay. So, is God, God's still a healer, yeah? Okay. So, what I'm trying to get at is this, is that if God came in his fullness right now, we would be (laughs) toast. (laughs) If God came in his fullness with man and sin, they would be dead. Okay, so God, although his ultimate desire was to be with his people like in the garden the man chose a different way and so God had to orchestrate a way that he was going to interact with man even in the midst of man choosing opposite things. Does that make sense? So his original intention was the garden. And, and, and you see his original intention and it's often demonstrated through the people of God. Like you see Moses who was like having face-to-face encounters with God and you see how God interacted with Moses and how he was a friend and you see how the Israelites acted with God and it was totally different than Moses. Yeah? Now was it God's will for the Israelites to have the same experience as Moses? Yes. yes. But they didn't align his, their will with what He willed. So What I'm saying in all of this is so we need to realize what's his will and what's his intention, and often what our will is and our intention is, and how he is trying to build this divide between what he wills on earth and what we will as humans on this earth. Because his will is on earth as in heaven. Is this place look like heaven? Completely. Is everyone completely healed in this room right now? Now, that's the goal, and we're going there, yeah? And, and, and it's not just the goal for this house, it's the goal for the earth. Is it? Yes. Okay. So, His will's over here, and here we are, and He is lovingly walking us through the process to enter into His will. His will was the promised land for the Israelites, But he still showed up in the desert, yeah? He still loved them through the desert. And so I'm saying all of this because we have to realize what his intention is and and how he has been from the beginning, he has been the same. But how he's operated has also been in, 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 in shadows of the reality that he wants us to walk in now. Because you look at his intention is to actually get in here. And it's for actually God, what this house is all about. God to dwell with man. To live inside of man. Okay, so when they had the the, the Ark of the Covenant, God was in a box, was he not? He was in a wooden constructed box. His presence was. And it dwelt there. They'd carry it. Now everyone in that time could say, that's God's will is to stay in that box. Because he's doing it right now. But that was a shadow of what he wanted to do. And you realize that it was the temple of Solomon, David's tabernacle, and then what's his temple now? It's the one thing that God actually made. Us. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Do you realize there was the Ark of the Covenant, there was David's tabernacle, there was Solomon's um, um, temple, and all of those were a shadow of what he wanted to actually dwell in, which he actually made, which was us. He's the only one that constructed us. He's the only one who constructed us. And and you look at the shadow of what he made, such as the temple. There was the outer courts, the inner courts, and the holies of holies. Now we have a body, (laughs) a a soul. Like I would say our body is the outer courts. The inner courts is, our, is our, our mind, will, and emotions. And then our inner or our holies of holies is, is actually our spirit. And so what I, I believe God, His will is actually for, not only for Him to dwell in us, but it's actually in our heart, in our spirit that He dwells. And I think so often, like how, I ask myself this question today, How do you run from God if he lives inside of you? How do you get away from God if he lives inside of you? And there's many Christians, and I'll just say, sometimes it doesn't always look like God's living in a home there, you know? (laughs) Like, ooh! (laughs) I don't really see Jesus in there. And, and, And I believe the reason why is because transformation happens on the inside of the holies of holies. Transformation does not happen on the outer courts. It doesn't happen through works. Like, even in the outer court, what you had was people who would offer up sacrifices. And when they atoned for the sacrifices, there was a... A succession into which they could go into the inner courts and then the priests go into the holies of holies, but there was all these steps that, that they had to do in order to get into the holies of holies. And so in the Old Testament, you see all of these outward steps that they did in order to be right and in God's presence. And so God led them externally. It was a cloud by day and a fire by night. It was the Holy Spirit could land on them but he couldn't dwell within them. So you'd see God land on people but then he would go. And so you that's why you constantly saw all this wandering, all this confusion why? Because God wasn't living inside of man. And therefore man you realize that like David, Solomon's temple, David's tabernacle, all of these things where God was saying, okay, my people won't interact with me on this way, so I'm going to come in a way that they want. And you're like, no, God doesn't come in the way you want. He only comes in the way that, and that he wants to. Okay, well, you see, you see David says that actually animal sacrifices you did not desire. Well, then why are we offering animal sacrifices? Do you guys ever think about that? David's prophesying animal sacrifices you did not desire. So he developed David's tabernacle. Instead of offering up animal sacrifices, they offered up worship where his presence would dwell. And you see these shadows, and you see that God is actually interacting with man on a way that they will receive him. And and you're like, no, God doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah, he does, because he still interacts with us, and our theology is not all there. (laughs) Like, we don't have it all together. Do you realize that? Like, think about where you were first in your faith versus now. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I believe that thing. But God was still loving on you and leading you, wasn't he? So, the amazing thing is, he's not waiting for us to be right in order for him to show up. He just wants us to understand his righteousness which is our standing with him. And so what I'm saying with all of that is God interacted with man in a way that they would actually receive him. And so God showed up on the mount. Do you realize that it says the law is for the lawless? Do you realize that, that right now, if you grew up in a moral society, that it, I wouldn't have to tell you don't kill someone. Hey, try not to kill anyone today. Don't do it. But some of these people who are in a countries where they're taught to have a gun and go shoot people might actually need to hear that. Why? Because their reality from God, reality is so far away from what reality is. Do you realize that in the garden they didn't have the law? Because why? Because they were in relationship with God. So they didn't need the law because they already knew God and God was their father and God directed them. Now, the Bible says, is the law bad? Absolutely not. But the reality is that if you walk and write standing with God in relationship, you'll fulfill the law. Why? Because he lives inside of you. So, Father, is that right? No. Son, it's, this is what I have for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's a relationship. But he actually had to establish the law because people weren't in relationship. Is this making sense? So he had to keep establishing things because man was like, no, I, I can't interact with God in that way. So you realize, you know, Moses went on the te- up in the mountain and Moses was transformed, came back glowing by God's presence. So much so that the people are like freaked out and he had the Ten Commandments and, and here the people are saying, we don't want that. you know. Just give us, give us what God says. Just give us what he says. But in reality, who was the only person transformed up on the mountain? It was Moses. Why? Because relationship is the only thing that can transform you. I'm sorry you could read the Bible all you want. It doesn't matter. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, and Him living inside of you, and you doing relationship with Him, you will never be transformed. You want to know why? Because God wants... Transformation comes from the holies of holies. Comes from the Spirit. Mind, will, and emotion, that's the the inner... that's, That's the inner courts... And, and transformation comes when we encounter the Spirit of God because who can know the heart of God but the Spirit of God? So when the Spirit of God comes and touches our spirit, transformation happens. You ever realize, like, people know so much in their mind? Like, like they can know a lot. But, like, even me, like, there's a lot of stuff I know and there's some stuff that I haven't seen transformation in my own life on. Why? Because that hasn't gotten down into my spirit where I actually encounter him, where his presence is, where we're in complete and absolute relationship. Does that make sense? It's because he desires to live inside of us. And so often I believe what keeps us from living in communion with the Father is that so often we actually choose what they chose in the garden, which was this. It's, all right. What did they choose? (laughs) What they chose in the garden was, actually, God, rather than doing this relationship thing, you know what? I I need to keep myself in check. And instead of doing relationship, a lot of times we do the list. We do the check mark. We do the law. We do the self-righteousness. We do the works. Because the one thing we can actually control is, and actually a lot of times we can't even control it, is the flesh. (laughs) You know, I can go and cut open a, a lamb without having like, serious conviction in my heart. Like, it just goes like this, you know? Like, (laughs) transformation doesn't come because you cut open a lamb. Am I making sense at all? You can still do it without having a transformation in the heart. Meaning you can do works, but if you don't do relationship with Him inside of you, then you're not seeing transformation. And so what I'm saying is, He wants in this place. And when we don't allow him to live in this place, we live in condemnation instead of conviction. See, condemnation is this, is we're afraid to go in this place because we're afraid. Ultimately, condemnation says this, you did that, you did something stupid, you are stupid. Condemnation changes your identity and shame empowers you to think what you do is actually who you are. And so what happens is is we are afraid to go into our heart and allow God to transform it because we think our heart is bad because we judge ourselves according to the flesh. Therefore, if we do something wrong, we say, that is led to this. And there is something wrong with this. When in reality, God says, I've given you a new heart. And so when we realize he's given us a new heart and we realize that he's called us good and we realize that we're sons and daughters of God, we stop identifying with our works and our flesh and we start to identify with what he says about us. And from that place, Holy Spirit comes and convicts us. What does he convict us of? He convicts us of righteousness. Don't you love that he says he convicts you of righteousness? What does that mean? He convicts you of righteousness because you are right with the Father, therefore you're a son and a daughter of God, and that's no longer your identity. If he convicted you of just being a worthless, lousy person, then you would have nowhere to grow to. Because your nature would be established in the fact that you're just a sinner, but he calls you a saint. So what I'm saying is if we live according and we judge according to the flesh, then what happens is we will keep condemning ourselves instead of living by the Spirit, which convicts us of who we are called to be. Am I getting somewhere? <laughs> you know, I love, man, just let's put, some, let's put some Bible verses on this. 1 Corinthians 4. 3 So resist the t- temptation to pronounce premature judgment on anything before the appointed time when all will be fully revealed instead wait until the Lord makes his appearance for he will bring all that is hidden in darkness to light and unveil every secret motive of everyone's heart. Then, when the whole truth is known, each will receive praise from God. Um, and, and he says, above that, it says, in fact, yeah, four, three. but personally, I'm not even the least bit concerned if I'm judged by you, or any verdict I receive from any human court. In fact, I don't even assume to be my own judge. Even though my conscience is clear, but that doesn't mean I stand acquitted before the Lord, for for the only judge I care about is Him. So what Paul is saying is, listen, you guys... You judge yourself, you judge me, I don't even judge myself. In fact, the Lord is my judge and this is so huge because listen, if you're your own judge and you're constantly assessing where you're at with God, you are back in the garden thinking you can judge good from evil and you think that you can lead yourself into good but the only one who can lead you into good is God. Because if you're trying to do good and you're not trying to do God, you will end up a failure. (laughs) Because we were not supposed to do good. We are good because we are His. And the more we realize we're His and we fix our eyes upon Him, we become like Him. See, that's way different. It's way different you realize when they were in the garden, they didn't even realize they're naked because their eyes were on Jesus the whole time. The biggest fall of the sin was we became self-consumed. And we look at ourselves and we judge ourselves and we wonder why we only reproduce ourselves. Because our eyes are on ourselves. And we judge this and we judge that and we judge this and that and this and this and this and and that. And we find ourselves in the same place. (laughs) Condemned. (laughs) You realize that it says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you realize you can be condemned if you're a Christian? It's because you've stepped outside of Jesus. You've judged yourself apart from your identity in Christ. You were never supposed to be judged outside of him. He lives inside of you. So if you're not acting like, a, like Jesus, it's because you've stopped abiding in Him, and you've gotten outside of the tree, because if the tree is good, the fruit's good. So if you remain in Him and abide in Him, John 15, then you will bear much fruit. See, the problem is, is we're trying to change the fruit, and we're judging ourselves based upon the fruit. But if you're just planted in the Lord, and you're established in Him, and you abide in Him, the fruit's there, I promise you. Why? Because you're in Him. But if you step outside of him, there's condemnation because you are assessing yourself according to your flesh. If I sin, therefore I'm a sinner. Well, you stepped outside of God on that one. Jesus, it says, if you sin, there's a high priest. And he is able to actually, he has mercy for you. And the mercy is so that you see, and the grace is to see that who you were created to be. Does that make sense? And so who's our judge? It's the Lord. And many of us think if we're not like judging ourselves and constantly assessing ourselves, then we're not growing. So we don't even know that concept. We don't even know that concept like, of walking with Him and allowing Him to tell us who we are. We think we need to condemn ourselves to get where He wants us to be. Like, oh, I'm not there yet. And God's not saying, you're not there yet. He's like, hey, let me show you who you are. We're like, oh, dang it, I didn't do that right, I didn't do this right. We're judging ourselves, and God's like, no, 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 that's who you are. Let me show you. Oh, wow, now I'm looking at Jesus. Now I realize, oh, Jesus, you live inside of me. Oh, now I'm becoming like you because you live inside of me. Oh, wow, now I'm starting to look and behold you, and and now everything I know is you, and I'm not focused on myself, and therefore I'm free, (laughs) Oh, and people are judging me. That's awesome, Jesus. What do you think about me? Oh, you think that about me? You made me? Oh, my God, you made me, God. And that's what you think about me? So all those other people are saying everything else about me. I mean, you created me. I mean, come on. That's like your smartphone talking back to you, telling you that you're dumb and stupid. It's like, you know what? There's someone who created you. You know what I mean? Like... I'm going to turn you off. God created you and said you're very good. That's why Paul's saying, listen, if you're judging me, it just doesn't hold that much weight. (laughs) I mean, come on. God thinks I'm awesome. (laughs) And the reason why we're scared of other people judging us, if you think everyone's judging you, let me just tell you a, a, a reality. You're judging yourself. Because I promise you, if you were allowing God to judge you, it really wouldn't matter what other people said. You would be like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> you would just like, I mean, come on. It says, God laughs at the plans of the enemy. So everything that's a lie, that's not what God says about you, is laughable. It's just laughable. And the reality is when we don't regard each other according to the flesh anymore and we see each other in the spirit, then we're able to actually build each other up as a holy priesthood. Why? Because we're his dwelling place. The one original thing that he created and said was good. And so everything else we do that and man created can never produce what he originally wanted to do. And so, and so how are we judging ourselves? Because on the cross, he judged us worthy of love. On the cross, he said, I give everything for them. So we're considered worthy of love. And every other thing outside of that is actually a hindrance to love. Everything outside of that is something that he wants to take and remove. Because all of those things are a barrier between him and us. Because remember, he only wants, he want, this is where transformation happens. And so often, the reason how can we run from God, I'll tell you. You run from God when you live in your flesh, when you live in the outer courts. You're not in the holies of holies. So you realize that, and I'm going to talk about how we enter into the holies of holies, but when we run from God, it looks like we live according to the flesh because we're trying to control something we can control that we feel like we can manage and we we're, we're, we're think we can do these good works and deeds to make ourselves holy by doing the law, by, by you know, back in the day it was circumcision. Now it's, we think we have to, to read the Bible so long. Listen, I am so for reading the Bible. I read it every day. But listen, I read the Bible Because he's inside of me. And when I read it, I'm communing with him. I'm communing with him. I'm not reading it so I can get closer to him. I'm already close to him. I'm discovering the access I have to him. And when I read this book, it opens up a world that I can commune with him. Because guess what? I don't want to just know what to do. Because if I just am wanting to know what to do, and I read this so that I know what to do, then I'm saying, I'm just like the Israelites. I'm just like them saying, give me the rules. I don't want to meet with that guy up there. And a lot of times we don't want to meet up with that guy is because we don't realize we've been made worthy because we don't understand our righteousness. And so, actually it says in Hebrews, it says, I would long to give you something meat of substance, but you're untrained on the word of righteousness. And then it says, therefore you are unable to discern what is good and evil. So are we supposed to discern what's good and evil? Yes, but we're only supposed to know what's good and evil from righteousness, which is through our right standing with God. So if God's right next to me, I know what's good and evil because he's leading me. That's a big difference between God leading me into what's free and what's life than me looking to do what's right through the flesh that I can never accomplish, but I think I can accomplish. And that was all the Old Testament. They tried to do it according to the flesh, but they were never transformed. They still stayed the same. You realize the disciples, everything changed when God lived inside of them. They were like a mess, and the Holy Spirit landed on them and was inside of them and was like, boom! Boom! It was like game over. But the thing was, is they realized that God lived inside of them and they realized they had access to him. They were trained in the word of righteousness. And the word of righteousness is this, is that everything that you, it's no longer you who can do the law, it's him who has accomplished the law, which has actually, he has done everything for you to stand boldly before him. And so we're going to go back. This is, I'm just going to let you know, Hebrews 10, I don't even know the reference, but this is like, I just feel it. It is the bread and the butter of what God wants to take us in as a church. It's like, I, I really feel it. I, every time I come, I just, it's, it's the, same, the same word, and it's because God wants to take us somewhere, but in order for him to take us somewhere, we have to realize what has been established on the outer courts, the inner courts, and why we get to jump into the holies of holies right away. How you enter in is everything. How you apply the blood in his body will determine how you live as a Christian. It says, discern the body rightly. What has he done? What has his body accomplished? It says that this is the works of Jesus that you believe in the one whom he sent. So how do we live a Christian life? How do we live in John? It says that this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom he sent. What does that mean? It means that if you believe what Jesus really did, you will fulfill everything that he's called you to be you realize that it says, don't be like the Israelites who heard the message, yet they hardened their heart and they remained in the wilderness. It's because when they heard, they didn't apply with faith and apply it to their lives. Therefore, they wandered forever. And we can't wander, and the only way we will wander is if we don't fully believe what Jesus has done on our behalf. And if we don't believe what he's done on our behalf, I promise you we'll be stuck in condemnation. We'll have self-righteousness instead of righteousness. And we will have dead works instead of fruit. And so we'll get to Hebrews. So Hebrews, I think it's 10. I should know. I read it like every week. 10.19 <laughs> So remember, we had the outer courts, the inner courts, the holies of holies. Okay? Is everyone good? Yes. You still there? Come on, Jesus. Jesus, I just thank you. We don't want more knowledge, God. We got to have this reality hit our spirits, God. Father, I thank you that you would establish this reality so deep within us. Father, I just thank you. Let this be our reality, God. Jesus, it's your spirit that actually breathes on your word. We don't just want the word. We need the spirit to illuminate this word so that we can walk in this reality. Thank you, Lord. I pray you would deeply convict our hearts. God, everything that we don't walk in, you say, hey, here it is. And our conviction is this, is, oh my gosh, we got to get more of this. There's no condemnation. Huh. Thank you, Father. Okay. So the outer courts is, is what I said, what I believe represents our body. It's, it's our outermost being. Our, the inner courts represent... Our our mind, our will, and emotions, and the holies of holies, I believe, represents our spirit. So it says, and, and so how do we, because I believe if we don't realize what's been established on the outer courts, on the inner courts, then we won't remain in the holies of holies. And I believe so often the reason why we don't see transformation like we want to in our lives is because we're looking to try and establish on the outer courts what's already been done. And so this is is our, like, launching pad into what he wants to do. And and it says, And now we are brothers and sisters, God's family, because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation, for he has dedicated a new, life-giving way for us to approach God, For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to Him. So let's just pause right there. So we have to realize, like I said, if we're not walking by the Spirit, we're walking by the flesh. Where is the flesh? The flesh is us trying to outwardly do and control ourselves, and and do works in order to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. It's for us to actually try and prove that what's inside is okay, but we know if we, listen, you will always live condemned if you live according to the flesh, because the flesh says earn your identity, and the spirit says you're a son and a daughter of God. So when you walk according to the flesh, what you're doing is you're trying to earn your identity through something that you can never earn. And and it makes you even more condemned because we can't even control our flesh most of the time. And that's why Paul is saying, why do I do what I do? It's because he's talking about walking according to the flesh and according to the law. And then he says, thank God that he has given us freedom through Christ Jesus. And so what happens is if if we don't live in the spirit, we live in the flesh, and therefore in the, we're constantly on the outer court where actually no transformation happens. But if we realize this, it's that actually Jesus is the Lamb of God, so he was the sacrifice on, in the outer courts. Okay, so that one's covered. What do we have to do on that one? What do we have to do? Nothing. Jesus, thank you. You gave your life for me. Woo! Inner courts. Inner courts. All right, so then the inner courts, our mind, our will, and emotions, it says that we've been sprinkled clean in our conscience from evil, evil deeds, meaning our consciousness is cleansed by him, and we think, wow, I'm a son. So our mind and our will and emotions must be sprinkled with the blood of the lamb, and we realize that actually no longer do we have a sinful mind, will, and emotions. Rather, we've been cleansed by the blood of the lamb. So on the outer courts, the lamb is slain. On the inner courts, we apply his blood to our life, our mind, our will, and emotions. And we say, Jesus, I thank you. And we realize our identity. And from that place, we step into the holies of holies where there is absolute transformation of who we are. Because it all happens in the inner courts. It all happens on the inside. And the reason why we live condemned a lot of times is we're trying to change the outside, hoping that the outside will make us feel like we're good on the inside, but that will always make us feel like it's terrible on the inside because we can't achieve by the flesh what He can only do through the Spirit. Woo! Jesus, you did it all. You did it all. So what does that look like when we come together as people of God. This is like, this is the one that like, I'm like, man, I want us to like come together, and it's like when we're together, it's like And I believe this reality, if we realize, I say it all the time, we don't need a first worship song to enter in. We think a lot of times like, oh yeah, like God, like I said before, Jesus is not back there rubbing the Holy Spirit's shoulder saying, okay, come on, after the first song you're going to jump in, everyone's going to get the goosebumps, it's going to be amazing. That's not what's happening. What's happening is when you enter into worship, you're starting to actually align yourself with God. But the problem is, is if you think that you're not right with God, you're constantly trying to align yourself with God. But if you realize your righteousness and what he's paid for, you're always aligned with God. So now it's always heaven. It's always his presence. And we live drunk and full of God because he's not holding back from us. He's fully pleased, fully in love. And the only reason we're not fully pleased and fully in love is because we're on the outer courts trying to work ourselves into his presence when he says, "No, I already gave you fresh access to you to me." Fresh access. So it's always on when we're living in his righteousness. When we are not judging ourselves according to the flesh, but we're judging ourselves according to the Spirit, He's living inside of us and guiding us. Woo! It's that reality that releases heaven on earth. It's that reality where we are His temple being built up, living stones, building the house of God, building heaven on earth. Do you realize that everyone in the Old Testament, they were constantly like David was prophesying about Jesus. Yeah? Daniel was saying, there's going to be a man who's going to crush the head of the serpent, and there will be an everlasting king who reigns forever, and sin will have no dominion. They were prophesying about what was to come. They were seeing the unseen. Do you realize that God is taking us from glory to glory? His kingdom is everlasting and ever increasing. That means it's better now than it ever has been before. And the reason and how it's going to get even more glorious is when we realize that the way that we do things, like the way, I talked about David's, tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, um, Solomon's temple, those were all shadows. Those were all things that were pointing to Jesus and what he wanted to establish inside of us. And now, we're his temple. The one thing that was made by God was us, and now we're his carrying. We carry his presence, his kingdom everywhere we go. Shaka! Shaka! <laughs> And so, with that being said, when we say heaven on earth as a house, as a people, we are saying, just like they said, I see Jesus, and I see this, and I see that. When we're saying, I see heaven on earth, we're, we're, we're aligning our hearts with the fullness of what God wants to do. And most people are like, well, well, well wait a second, like, Heaven on earth, like, you realize, like, this is a new revelation, I believe, in the body of Christ that hasn't been around forever, like, this reality of heaven on earth. And I believe we haven't even touched the tip of what this means. And I believe we haven't touched the tip of what it means because we haven't realized the fullness of God dwelling in man and what that looks like and what that means. And so what I'm saying is this, is, is... As we realize how we host his presence, that we have no hindrance between him, we start to pull on that reality where there is no hindrance. Like, in heaven, it's glorious. There's no separation, no flesh, no nothing. It's pure Jesus. But that reality is supposed to come here. And so what I'm saying is, is, Is we have to see what he sees when he originally and what he originally intended for this earth. Do you realize he never intended death? He never intended sickness. He never intended any of this. But he did intend this for God's, for his will and our will to combine as one. See, the problem is, is all along when we talk about the flesh, when we talk about all these things, is God is, or man is always wanting God just to like override our will and like do, just do whatever you want. Have you ever prayed that? Just just do whatever you want, God. Like, take that away from me. Like, I don't want that, you know? We pray that. But he wants our will and his will to say yes. The Spirit and the Bride say, come Lord Jesus. And what I'm saying is, when we create that culture, see, I would say most churches and cultures from what I have seen is very much a control culture because it's based upon the flesh. It's everyone look good so that we can all feel like we're good because inside we're all dying, so we all need to perform a little bit better so we don't feel worse about how we actually feel inside. Why? Because we're judging ourselves according to the flesh. But this house is a a dwelling place for the Lord, and we see each other after the Spirit. And so what I mean by that is no longer is it, do we try and control you by trying to get you to do certain things. We say, hey, there's a Father. His name is God. He lives inside of you. Let me teach you how you have complete and total access to his heart. So that when you're all alone and no one else in the body is around you, you have an advocate. His name is the Father. I'm gonna teach you that you can go to him at all times. And when we build that house, we're building that house. Do you realize heaven is attracted to that place. Why? Because it's people after his presence. It's people who say, Father, I'm going to allow you to lead me and guide me. I don't want the rules. I want you. Because I can't do the rules. I only know how to do you because that's all you ever intended was for me to be with you, to dwell with us and then he's dwelling in you and me, and we have unrestricted access to him. Woo! We're walking in that reality, but I promise you, there is so much more for us. And I'm just like, Jesus, you have to show me what you paid for. Because until everyone is just... (laughs) Until the whole world, listen... His assignment for our life is impossible. <laughs> That's why you need God. To make everything look like heaven? Oh my gosh. To make, Las Cru- to make this house look like heaven? To make Las Cruces look like heaven? To make New Mexico look like heaven? To make United States look like heaven? To make Earth look like heaven? And it all starts here. And it doesn't just start here. It starts here individually. Because when you become a dwelling place for the Lord, and we become a dwelling place for the Lord, we attract His world, heaven, here. And then heaven is on earth. It all starts here. And so I want to pray, and I want to pray... That we would be convicted of one reality, our righteousness, our standing with Him, our access to Him. No longer we would judge ourselves according to the flesh, but we'd judge ourselves according to the Spirit to see the fullness of what He sees when He looks in our eyes. Oh my God. And so Father, just put your hand on your heart. Father, just say start right here. Huh. Huh. Ah, Jesus! Every judgment that has been passed on our behalf—that we have said we are less than than what you have said, God. I pray right now with your fire, burn it out. God, I just thank you that your blood would cleanse our consciousness. That, Father, in everything, we would have righteousness, consciousness. That, Father, it was all about this one thing. Us looking into your eyes and figuring out everything about ourselves. And, Father, I thank you that one thing has not changed. And so, Father, we step into that one place that you intended us to be all along. Right in connection with you. No hindrances. No dividing walls. No veils. And Father, from that place, I pray that you (laughs) would take us in to right where you want us. Thank you, you're right where you want us. Say, I'm right where you want me. (laughs) So Father, I just thank you. Thank you for this dwelling place. Thank you for this home. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> awesome. Bless you guys so much. Um, if you need prayer, um, we just uh, we always did the hot seat at our house. So if you need prayer, we'll have two hot couches tonight. Just come sit, and everyone come pray for them. And so if you have to go, that's awesome. If not, sit in the hot seat and just get wrecked by Jesus. And uh, everyone come and feel free to pray, prophesy, encourage, and love on people. And Jesus.